How many of you have ever found yourself in a storm on the ocean or in Lake Norman? Anybody in here where it suddenly has come upon you? Uh, Not a comfortable place to be, is it? Uh, My husband served in the Navy, flew in the Navy, and he has shared stories with me about being on an aircraft carrier and where the waves have gotten 10 stories high and were crashing over the aircraft carrier. And as he shares those stories, I just turn a little bit green even listening to them. Um, But not all storms are at sea, are they? A lot of the storms that we face are life storms. Some storms in life uh, are 24 hours long and others like a terminal illness of a loved one or maybe how the pandemic has affected your business. Those kind of storms can last months and even years. Life can change very quickly and a storm can disrupt our life very fast. Um, Some of you may have noticed it took me a little while to get up on the platform this morning. I have this very attractive black shoe on because a couple of weeks ago I... um, met up with a storm. I'd like to say that something very exotic happened. I was bungee jumping and missed the target, you know. But no, my mother ran over my foot with her car. Um, So, doesn't get any more boring than that. Um, But um, it was a freak accident. But like most storms, It caused chaos in my life and chaos for her. She spent a day in bed. I spent a day on the sofa. Um, And I've been wearing this lovely boot for several weeks. Um, Storms have one common denominator. Everybody experiences them, right? Job said it like this. As surely as a man is born, he is destined to trouble. As surely as the sparks fly upward, man is born to trouble. In other words, as surely as the sparks of of a fire, the embers of a fire are going to go up into the sky, that is the confidence we have that we are going to experience storms in life. As I started to seek the Lord for what to focus on, today, what to bring to you, my heart was captured by a verse in Acts chapter 27. And today I realized today is August the 27th. I just find that interesting. Um, But before we read the passage, I want to give you a little bit of background as to where we are in um, the book of Acts. The Lord has prepared the Apostle Paul that he is going to stand before Caesar in Rome. And as he makes his, his journey, his faith journey, he finds himself before King Agrippa in Caesarea. And King Agrippa, he's on trial, and Paul makes an appeal to King Agrippa to, go, to be sent to Rome. And Agrippa basically says, okay, fine, you want to go to Rome? You're going to go to Rome. So you're on the next boat out of here. And Paul is um, sent onto a ship. Um, It's a prisoner ship. This is no Disney princess cruise line. It's a large grain ship, probably carrying about 2,600 tons of grain. It's about 180 feet long, 55 feet wide. No engines, just one mast and one sail. And Paul is on this ship, not as a chaplain, but as a convict. He's sailing with another 275 
um, individuals, including prisoners, the ship's owner, captain, crew, and some traveling companions that Paul was uniquely allowed to have with him. On their way to Rome, they stop at a couple different ports, and at one of the ports, Paul gives a very serious warning. My paraphrase of what he says is, men, this trip is going to be problematic. We are going to run into some really rough seas. We shouldn't go this direction, but they dismiss his warning. Makes me wonder how many storms in my life I could have avoided if I had listened to the warnings of godly counsel. Um, God always warns us to prepare us for coming storms, but we have to be willing to discern the warnings, right? So we're going to pick up, uh, boy, it got really quiet in here when I said that. Um, we're going to pick up Luke's account of the voyage starting in verse 13. Um, but before we, before we start to read this rather long passage, I want to emphasize something. Paul is right in the middle of God's will. He is being absolutely obedient to the will of God for his life. But he's going to find himself in the midst of a problem. Obedience to the Lord doesn't always equate to a problem-free life. Or said another way, the presence of problems doesn't mean the absence of God, right? So let's stand together in honor of the word. Again, this is a little uh, long passage. Uh, and let's um, read it together. Let's see. Where can I see it? Okay, over there. All right, here we go. Ready? When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Cyrus, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. 
So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found that it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Father, we thank you so much for the word of the Lord. And we pray that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, speak to the deep places of our heart. Lord, let this message not be head knowledge, but let it be um, principles that really, truly anchor us in the coming storms. Lord, we thank you for your presence, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was reading, um, I've been doing a study on the book of Acts this summer, preparing for a fall Bible study, and when I got to this portion of scripture, verse 29 just leapt out to me. Um, I just want to remind you, it said, um, then fearing we would run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for the day to come. Anchors securely embed, embed into the ground to bring stabilization to a ship. When you look at the catacombs um, in Rome, many times you will see pictures. I, in fact, I love the, um, the graphic that they did for this message because it showed a ship anchored at sea. And in the catacombs, there's something like 66 pictures, paintings of ships that are anchored to something immovable. Um, anchors are a powerful image for us um, to remind ourselves that we have something that it, we have someone um, and some principles in our faith journey that we can anchor ourselves to and be immovable in times of trouble. When a storm comes upon your life, what do you find are your anchors? In Paul's vessel, they dropped four anchors, two from the port side and two in, uh, from the starboard side. So today, I want to give you four anchors that need to be well established in your life in order for you to navigate and to come through a storm successfully. The first one is we have to be anchored to the authority of the Word of God. The Bible is not just another book. It's not a compilation of fairy tales, folklore, and cute stories. The Bible is the eternal words of an eternal God who transcends all time. Timothy tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The writers of the Bible didn't just take dictation. God breathed the exact words he wanted recorded for all eternity. And let me emphasize very strongly, 
Because he is the God of all truth, he cannot breathe out air. Every word of the scriptures is truth. When J.B. Phillips began working on his translation of the New Testament, he was one of those scholars who really didn't believe the Bible is perfect. He didn't believe that God was meaningfully choosing each word and carefully overseeing each writer. But as he continued to translate the scriptures, he began to see the power of the word of God and it changed him. He came, he came to believe that the word of God is perfect. In fact, he wrote of his experience. Handling scripture day after day was like trying to rewire a house without pulling the main switch. There is so much power in the word of God, it overwhelmed me. Over the past few years, I have heard of many musicians and pastors announcing that they're pulling up anchor and leaving their faith because their inner conscience just can't accept the word of God. This shift from biblical authority to self-authority isn't new. Satan has always tried to muddy the waters in the issue of the, of, of the authority of God's word. Since the Garden of Eden, he's been asking, did God really say that? Insinuating, of course, that he didn't. God himself calls the Bible the word of God. More than 500 times in the first five books of the Bible, God says, this is my word. More than 4,000 times in the Old Testament and 44 times in the New Testament, the Bible is referred to as the Word of God. A person may not like what God states in the Bible, may not like the viewpoint that he expresses, but that doesn't mean it's not truth. Some, some years ago, the producers of Shark Week used AI to fabricate a shark situation. They totally duped the network and their audience who thought that the whole thing was real. There's a storm brewing in our world to take deception to an unprecedented level. Therefore, I want to encourage you today to have a hard copy of the Bible. Own a Bible. Digital versions are convenient, but as AI develops, be careful not to rely on only a digital version of the Bible. Have at least one print copy, and I would suggest go to Goodwill, Habitat for Humanity, thrift stores, get more copies, and be prepared to hand them out to other people. Did you know that recently the Chinese government announced a 10-year plan to change the scriptures to erase sin and Jesus as the forgiver of our sin? I'm just saying, get a hard copy of the Bible. Just saying. The authority of the word of God is not only an anchor, it also will vaccinate us from deception. Isaiah said, and later Peter quoted, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures for how long? Forever. Forever. The second anchor that we have to have in our life before the storms hit is we have to be anchored to the sovereignty of God. Job summarizes the sovereignty of God like this in Job 42, verse 2. I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. God's sovereignty is his right and power to do all that he decides to do 
when he decides to do it and how he decides to do it. He is subject to no one. The late Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, said it like this. Because God is sovereign, no event escapes his notice, no person is beyond his influence, and no circumstance exists outside of his control. In February of this year, three very interesting things happened that I believe paint a picture to the church of God's sovereignty in action. The first one happened at Ashbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. It's named after Francis Ashbury, who was mentored by John Wesley and considered one of America's um, most significant preachers. In the 20th century, there were seven outpourings of the Holy Spirit at Ashbury. In the 1970s, the revival that broke out there was the subterranean river that fueled what became known as the Jesus Movement, or as some of you, some of you saw the movie, The Jesus Revolution. On February 8th, 2023, a fresh revival broke out in Ashbury, 53 years after the 1970s revival. It's estimated that 220 college campuses were affected by the outflow of this revival. One of those colleges, Texas A&M, not a Christian university, um, experienced a very unique outpouring. On a single night, a single night, students came streaming out of dorms and the bars and had a worship service that lasted until 3 a.m., which resulted in the water baptism of 4,500 students that attended that service that night. Would you love to have been there? The other thing that happened in February was the release of the movie, The Jesus Revolution, on September 27th. Now, if you're at all familiar with the movie industry, you know that movie releases take a lot of time. There's a lot of um, elements that have to be coordinated. You can't just pivot on a dime and go, hey, there's a revival going on Ashbury. Let's release a movie. I mean, it just doesn't happen like that. The third event that took place in February was a call to national repentance and communion by Lou Engle. He had been planning on this event for over a year, and it happens in February. Over 40,000 people came to Fort Worth, Texas to publicly repent and confirm their faith by the taking of communion. What is the likelihood that the three of these significant occurrences would happen in the same month. I believe it was a series of sovereign actions by God converging to give the church hope. We need that kind of hope. We need to be anchored to the sovereignty of God because storms are coming as sure as the sparks of a fire rise upward. When the hurricanes of uncertainty and perplexity begin to blow upon us nationally and globally, we don't know how to pray and we can't make sense of things, 
We need to be steadfastly anchored to the understanding that God sits in a place that we do not dwell. He thinks in ways that we cannot comprehend. He is writing a story that is much larger than we can fathom. And as Job said, the plans of God cannot be thwarted. Third anchor that we need to have before a storm ever hits is we need to be anchored to the promises of God. In Acts 27, 25, I love what Paul said to his shipmates. This is, out, this is how he said it out of the um, New King James. He said, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God. Just, uh, I believe God that it will be just as it was told to me. God gave Paul a promise, and Paul believed it. Anchor dropped. There are over 3,000 promises in Scripture, or some might use the word pledges. This means that there's a promise for whatever storm you are facing or headed towards. Here's just a few I thought some of you might need to hear today. So I want us to read these promises out loud together. You ready? We're going to start with... um, Isaiah 41, 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. Uh, Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Is everybody reading these aloud? Okay, faith comes by hearing, all right? So let's, let's, let's speak it out here. Let's start over. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Psalm 37, 23 to 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. And then Isaiah 54.10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Did you hear those promises of provision, promises of protection, promises of his presence. These are promises that will anchor you when storm winds are blowing all around you. And lastly, we need to be anchored to God's continual presence. I love John 16, 7, and I have it here in the Amplified Bible because it just, it says so much. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. Hear the promise of his proximity to us to be in close fellowship with you. I cling to this promise regularly that the Holy Spirit is my helper and I am not doing life on my own. Several weeks ago, 
I found myself um, suddenly in storm waters. They were the storm waters of broken trust. In the midst of my heart swirling around the winds of disappointment and grief, the only anchor that I knew to hold on to was the nearness of God. I found myself more than once calling out to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, comfort my broken heart. Holy Spirit, help me navigate these bitter waters. Holy Spirit, come and help me to avoid being crashed upon the rocks of anger and bitterness. And you know what? He did. The Holy Spirit came and gave me scripture, gave me wise counsel through other people. But mostly, as I fellowshiped, as I chose to fellowship with him in the quiet of my own place, the Holy Spirit brought comfort like a warm blanket on a cold day to my heart. And I knew that I would get through the storm of brokenness. He stabilized me by giving me a fresh revelation. Because God is omniscient, I know that he is fully aware of all the circumstances of my storms. Because God is omnipotent, I know that he has the power to see me through any storm. And because God is omnipresent, I know that he is right beside me in the midst of every storm. I hope that encourages someone today. In March of 2009, there were two NFL football players and friends that set out for a day of fishing in the Gulf of Mexico. In the midst of just having some fun, a storm suddenly arose in the sea. In the end, only one person survived who was holding on to a floating device for two days. A report about the incident was printed in the local newspaper and was titled, Boat Not Properly Anchored. This is what the um, people that look, investigated the accident ended up writing. An agency investigating a deadly boating accident has concluded that the deaths were caused when the vessel was improperly anchored and the boat capsized. The report ended with this statement. Overall, this was just a mistake in anchoring. If anchoring is important in the natural, think how critical it is in the spiritual. Whether we stand secure through a storm or are overcome by it depends on what we're anchored to. Earlier, I said that Paul had given a warning about their voyage, and it was dismissed. I have a couple of warnings I'd like to share this morning. If you are anchored to your money or your 401k, I hate to tell you, but there are some things that money, uh, some storms that money is not going to stop. If you're anchored to relationships and the number of Instagram followers you have, I need to issue a warning that sometimes relationships are the cause of the storm and people anchors always can give way. 
If you're anchored to substances, when the storms hit and you choose numbing, you're going to shipwreck. If you're anchored to casual Christianity, quick little drive-by waves to Jesus, or dipping your toe in scripture now and then, I give you warning that hurricane wind forces of the last days are going to come upon us, and the headline of your life might read, improperly anchored, boat capsized. But if you're anchored to the word of God, to his sovereignty, to his promises, and to the surety of his presence, you might get tossed about a little bit in your boat, but you're going to make it through the storm. There are two people. There are two specific groups of people that I want to pray for today. First, I want to pray for you, those that don't have an anchor in the waters of Jesus. You're not going to make it without him. You're going to face some storms and you are going to shipwreck. We sang it today. He is the anchor of our hope. He is the one who stabilizes us. And he is longing to have relationship with you. You need to anchor to him. And then he will make the word of God clear to you. The sovereignty of God clear to you. The promises of God clear to you. And he will make his presence real to you. So I want everybody to bow their heads for just a moment. And if you are here this morning and you would just say, Michelle, I do not have a relationship with Jesus. And I am bobbing out in the sea of life on my own. And I realize that my anchors are insignificant and are not going to hold me when I need to be held. And today is the day that I want to start my relationship with Christ. I want you just to raise your hand. And I am going to try to see you the best that I can. Just raise your hand. I see your hand, sir. Anybody else? I'm kind of looking in the middle. I'm looking over to the left side. Anyone over there? Balcony. Can we just pray with this one gentleman who raised his hand? Let's just join, join with him. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I want to anchor my life to you. I confess that I've been doing life my way, and that is not sufficient. I ask you to forgive me for that, for being so arrogant to think that I could be the Lord of my own life. Today, I yield my life to you. I ask you to cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and hold me tight in the coming days. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I want to encourage that pe person that when our prayer teams come forward, I want you to come and just introduce yourself to them. And they're going to tell you a little bit about your next steps, which would be water baptism, to walk the way that Jesus walked, and to be baptized. Um, and they'll give you information on that. The second group of people that I want to pray for is I want to pray for anybody who's going through a storm. You find yourself, maybe it's a health storm, maybe it's a financial storm, maybe it's a business storm, maybe it's a fear storm. You've started hearing all of the little chirpings about COVID and remasking, and you just have anxiety and fear rising inside of you. Whatever it might be, maybe it's a relationship storm. If you just feel like you're being battered, um, in a storm right now, I want you to raise your hand. Raise it really high, all right? And those of you who are around them, I want you to put your hand on them. I want you just to put your hand on their shoulder. Everybody stand now that you've got, now that you saw who raised their hand. If, you, if, if you're going through a storm and nobody put their hand on your shoulder, raise your hand really high so people can see it around you. I want everybody to be being touched. We are the body of Christ. When one member hurts, we all hurt. When one member grieves, we all grieve. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. That's the beauty of community. So let's pray. Let's pray for the person that had their hand up. Lord, God, and you can pray along with me. I'm just going to word a prayer, but you go ahead. You go ahead and start praying for that person who's going through a storm. Lord God, I just pray for each one of these individuals who raised their hand right now. Lord, I don't know what their storm is, but I know that in the midst of storms, there's, there's chaos. There's disheveling, Lord. And first of all, Lord, I would pray that whatever they need to throw overboard, they would throw it overboard. They would let it go. Lord, on that voyage, those shipmates had to throw things overboard in order to, for the anchors to hold. And so, Father, if there's anything that they need to let go of, if there's bitterness, if there's unforgiveness that, if, that they need to let go of, Lord God, I pray that you would help them to do it. Lord, if there's mercy they need to grant, I pray pray that you would help them to do it. Lord God, I pray that you would give them your perspective on this storm. If there's something that they need to see that they haven't seen before, Lord, speak through your word. Open their eyes that they might see, Lord, what you're showing them, what you're teaching them, what you're crafting in their life, Lord God. God, if there's something that they need to alter in their life because you're realigning them, you're getting them back on a different chart, Lord, you're your your, your course correcting something. Father God, I pray that you would make that possible. I pray that they would see what needs to change. And Lord God, I pray that you would give them the strength, Lord God, to go through the storm. I pray they would hold on to your word. I pray that you would give them a promise. I pray that they would be well anchored to a promise, a fresh promise that you have given to them, that you speak to them. Lord, I pray that you would visit them about your sovereignty and that they would know deep within their soul, Lord God, that you've got this. You've got this, Lord. You see them. You know what's going on. There is no circumstance outside of your reach, Lord God, and that you are writing and crafting a story in their life, Lord. Help them trust your largeness, 
Lord God. And Father, finally, I pray, Lord God, that they would sense the nearness of the Holy Spirit. I pray that as they fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you would encourage them, that they would drink deep from the well of your presence, Lord God. I pray that in the midst of the storm that they're in, that they would experience your nearness in a way that they have never experienced it before. I pray, God, that they would sense the breath of the Lord upon them as they draw close to you. And Lord, we just thank you for your help. And then Lord, lastly, and this, just anybody who wants to raise their hand to this one, Lord, we recognize that we are in a storm season. Lord, our world right now is full of tropical storms and hurricanes. Lord, it seems like the winds at sea are just howling. Even last night, Lord, we heard, Lord, the howling of the winds, broken trees this morning, Lord God. There's storms around us, Lord. There's so many things going on that we don't understand. They perplex us. They are bizarre, Lord. Decisions that are being made that are so unusual and evil and wicked. And, Lord, just uncommon in sensibility. God, would you anchor us afresh today? Lord, would you help us to see ourselves literally rooted down into the depths of your word. Lord, help us root down into the depths of your promises. Help us drop anchor deep, deep, deep into your presence, Lord God. God, we trust your sovereignty. Lord, there are some in here today, Lord, that I just feel like they need to see themselves almost like an old ship, how it had the carved woman, the carved um, lady on that mast. And Lord, she was one with the wood. Lord, let us be one with the wood. Let us be one with God. Let us anchor ourselves to you tightly and securely, Lord God, so that we can shine as bright stars in the midst of stormy nights. Lord, we want to thank you. We thank you that you sit in places and a place where we do not dwell. You see things in ways we cannot see. And you are writing a story that's much more vast than we can ever understand. God, thank you. Thank you that you know us and that we know you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, prayer can continue with our prayer partners. If they would come forward, if you want to take communion, communion is a great way to seal a promise or a prayer that you just prayed to the Lord. Seal it with the blood and the body of Christ. Um, but if you have an additional prayer need, our, prayer, our, our leaders would love to pray for you this morning. So, um, Hope you don't run into any stormy seas this week, but if you do, be well anchored, okay? God bless you.